Hi guys and welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. My name is Rachel J. I am your host. I'm also a coach and the founder of Core 30. I am so thrilled to welcome my guest to the show today. He is one of Australia's leading health and fitness experts. He's also a very successful fitness entrepreneur, being the founder of The Woodshed down in Brighton and also the founder of online training and nutrition program 28 by Sam Wood. Welcome to the show, Sam Wood. Thanks for having me, Rach. Nice to be here. Nice to be here in person, which is really nice. (laughs) So true. Right? And I think that in Melbourne, especially, you know, the fitness industry is so small that I think we have quite a few connections in common. I feel like everybody sort of knows We do. We do. I do feel like I know you already. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure we've got... Many, many, uh, yeah, common, common friends that we uh, we've trained with and, and spent time with and done business stuff with for sure. Yeah, so it's really cool that we finally get to meet in person and it chat is. about all the things we're passionate about, which is really, really nice. So I feel like I might recognise you from a television show, perhaps that you might have been on <laughs> a little while ago. What was that show that I saw you on? Oh uh, yeah, that little show called The Bachelor. It was uh, five and a half years ago now, wow. so yeah, a long time ago, but it's been quite definitely a while. an unforgettable, life-changing experience. And uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have the life I have now without it. That's for sure in every facet, but particularly with um, with Snezh and my girls. But yeah, business-wise too, it's been a, a game changer, that's for sure. Yeah, amazing. And I think that, you know, obviously that love journey for you was very successful. And, uh, you know, I think that most people in Australia would probably recognise you from that show. But I think the piece that I really kind of was interested in talking to you about is that I've heard you say before that you learnt a lot about yourself from being on that show and, you know, kind of that personal growth, personal development journey that you went on. So what were the biggest things that you learnt about yourself being on The Bachelor? Look, I think the biggest one was, you know, the bigger the chance that you're willing to take, the the bigger the upside can be. You know, it was, it was such a crazy, ridiculous thing to do, you know, put yourself out there so far out of your comfort zone, go on a TV show you'd never even seen before um, and it couldn't have worked out better, you know. So for me now whenever I'm faced with a do I dive in the deep end decision, you know, relatively, you know, no matter how big or small, it's always a yes because I've I've dived in to the deepest pool I can even think of and it, and it worked out so well meeting Snezh and now having this incredible family. When even when I did jump in, I think I was scared, I was a little bit cynical and a get sceptical to how it was going to probably pan out. Mm. I absolutely hoped for an outcome like this but I I think deep down, I mean, we sort of forget things but when you, you know, you know when you do look back and you're sort of honest with yourself, I didn't actually think I would meet a girl that I'd fall in love with and marry and have children with you know like I absolutely hoped that would be the case but I I guess I was trying to be a bit of a realist trying to sort of protect myself not to have too crazy expectations but never in my wildest dreams that I think it'd work out as well as it did so yeah I'm a huge huge I was always a risk taker Mm. and I was always a really positive person but I think when you have an experience of this extreme you just go, that's it, you just got to do it. And, you know, so many people let their fears and overthink things hold them back. And, uh, yeah, I've learnt through the best experience ever that if you really put yourself out there, the ultimate, you know, um, happiness could be at the end of it. So you just got to do it. Yeah, just got to take that chance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too there's a perception about reality television and television in general, right, and as an audience member, you get to see the final product. And of course, with reality, it's kind of supposed to be behind the scenes, but there is behind the scenes of behind the scenes, really, right? And so, you know, putting yourself in such a vulnerable position, because normally when you're dating, you're not doing that in public, you're doing that in private, all those moments that you have, you know, are, are really private moments. So what were the most confronting things for you during that period of time? And, you know, how did you kind of overcome those moments. No, it's a really good point. I mean, second to the, you know, put yourself out there because you never know what will happen lesson was the power of being vulnerable, the power of, you know, opening up about your feelings, which I wasn't terribly good at. Most guys, I would say, 
probably aren't that good at it. Um, how liberating it is, how much it helps with growth, um, maturity, you know, and then there's the crazy roller coaster that is the TV world, which is just this pressure cooker, 16-hour shoot day, six or seven days a week that if you can kind of get through that physically, emotionally, mentally, you can almost get through anything. So that was a really sort of steep learning curve that, you know, I'm a big believer that when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the magic happens and I was way out of my comfort zone. So, um, yeah, I think the combination of all of those things just meant I probably, you know, I went into the show when I was 35 and I feel like, you know, I did like a five-year TV apprenticeship where you just, and not, not that I want to be on TV, but just comfortable speaking in public, uh, you know, comfortable, you know, comfortable talking to you. Like the old me would have said yes probably to do a podcast with the wonderful Rach, but <laughs> I wouldn't have been anywhere near as comfortable talking to you like this. I, you know, would have prepped for a long time. Yeah. I didn't prep at all today. I just, you know, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my own experiences We've got so much in common. It's a really easy chat. So I just sort of think the more natural it is, the better. So, yeah, it fast-tracked my confidence, my way to articulate how I feel, um, how comfortable I am talking about my feelings. When you end up kissing your wife, pashing her in front of one and a half million people is the first time you ever kiss her. You get pretty comfortable with things (laughs) pretty fast. That'll do it. So, yeah, it's it's all uh, uphill or downhill, whichever way you want to look at it from there, I guess. Yeah, what an amazing journey. I just think, you know, being able to put yourself in that position, I think, is is incredible. So it's it's so good to kind of see also now, you know, where that's taken you and what you've been able to take from that to pull into your work now. So pre-Bachelor days, pre-Melbourne days, you're actually a Tassie boy at heart, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am Tassie boy for the first 20 years of my life. Nice. Came to Melbourne to uh, study human movement at uni and uh, started human movement got a job in the uni gym, then got a job in the YMCA gym, then got offered a job as a PT, uh, personal trainer here in Brighton. And um, yeah, I've been in the fitness industry ever since. I've never looked back. It was just one of those one of those things that once I started, it felt so right. I've always loved, I've always loved sport. I've always been really interested in human performance and uh, working with people. Um, coaching people and, yeah, it just allows you to do all of that. So, yeah, it's um, it was definitely the right fit for me. It's a fun job, definitely. It is a fun job, yeah. yeah. I love the psychology side of things too. I'm a massive believer in kind of getting in people's heads and understanding what makes them tick and having them understand that the physical transformation isn't about the body. It's not about your biceps and your abs. It's about getting your head in the right space and developing habits and overcoming barriers that have held you back previously and all that kind of stuff and I'm a huge you know I majored in sports psychology at uni and that was kind of my thing and I just think the power of the human mind is incredible and the way it impacts business or your physique or whatever it is um, there's so many parallels between just getting your head in the right spot and good things happening in all facets of your life and I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah 100% I feel like the mindset piece and the mental fitness piece which is a huge part of why I'm a coach as well is because I really love that part too is that it's so uh, it's not tangible I think it's one of those things that in the fitness industry obviously the physique or movement is more appealing to a lot of people but what really underpins or all of the success, I guess, in that area is getting your mindset right yeah. and and aligned with where you're going in terms of your movement too, right? And and yeah, it's much more subjective. It's much harder to quantify. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, you know? it's not just a matter of you know doing X amount of reps in the gym and yeah. I mean, someone walks past with a great physique, oh, that guy or girl's got a great physique. Someone yeah. walks past with a great mindset, you don't go, oh, that guy's mindset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like that, you know. Yeah. yeah, well, you can't, you don't know, you can't tell. It's not, it's not a visual thing. So, um, it's so cool to know that that's you know sort of underpins your approach as well. Yeah, yeah. and and it's, as I've gotten older, I've, it, I can't believe how many parallels there are between getting your physique right and, you know, whatever right is to you. I'm not all about, you know, being 4% body fat and that kind of stuff. Now as a 41-year-old dad, it's about being relatively fit, relatively healthy, strong, able to play with my kids, you know, just that kind of stuff. I, you know, don't care about the other stuff so much, the aesthetics. But it's 
amazing the parallels between success in other areas of your life, whether it be your relationships, whether it be your business and, you know, just getting your body right, you know, discipline, motivation, structure, good habits, it all uh, translates into whatever you want to do with your life. And I think understanding that fundamentally helping other people get into shape and then being a business owner myself, it's kind of been some really good sort of foundational stuff that I've been able to to work on and continue to work on because it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely not there yet and I'll probably never be there. It's a work in progress. I think it always is, right? I don't think you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm done. Like I don't need to grow anymore. I don't need to learn anymore. It's like the more you learn, the more you want to learn. You know, the more layers you uncover, the more you... You want to find out about it and evolve and, you know, I'm, I love reading books on startups and entrepreneurial stories or books even on leadership as my team here grow and understanding how to work with different types of people to get the best out of them and be the best leader possible and then, you know, then that translates into being, I think, a good husband and a good father. You know, there's so many um, parallels between them. Yeah, 100%. So kind of going back to Tassie, did you – I know you obviously were into health and fitness when you got to Melbourne but was that part of your childhood growing up? Was there – you know, did you get into it prior to Melbourne? Late late teens I did because I was such a skinny little twig. Um, I was the same height as I am now, six foot three, and I was 68 kilos. So right. I'm now 98 kilos, so I'm 30 kilos heavier, the wow. same height. And, and look, part of it was discovering the gym and part of it was just not going through puberty till I was about 23 years old, but we got there <laughs> in the end. And, um, yeah, so for me it was how do I you know, use the gym or push-ups or chin-ups or whatever it was to get better at my sport and to build a bit of body confidence as a super skinny, you know, teenage kid um, wanting to sort of, you know, that that discovery you have. And look, people have it obviously through weight loss as well, but for me it was for weight gain. You know, I was just this really skinny kid who struggled to put muscle on, but then working super, super hard and finally seeing the the rewards of gaining some muscle, doing the hard work in the gym, eating well, um, you know, really sort of reinforced how powerful these transformations can be, whether it be weight loss or weight gain. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my first foray into loving the gym and loving transformation and, and how sort of powerful it was once you experienced it firsthand. Yeah, I feel like that's quite common for a lot of guys especially because it seems to be a lot of the guys that I've spoken to who are in the fitness industry now came to, you know, the gym or, or some sort of movement or sport or something in their teens and it was to, to build muscle essentially. So yeah. it's kind of, a, a, I guess, a common a common way in. Um, but then obviously like going through your journey, you you learn a lot more that it is beyond that part of it, the aesthetics and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I used to love the diversity of the clients that I had, you know, Mm. from kids through to 70-year-olds, you know, athletes wanting athletic performance and conditioning through to people needing to lose 70, 80 kilos, you know, and I I think that's where you really learn. I mean, that's that's been the greatest... um, I guess, asset to me with 28 that I've, I've done so many one-on-one PT appointments over a two-decade span that you just get to, you know, just get such a vast array of experience working with so many different people, both physically and mentally and what they're, you know, the challenges that they're facing and trying to be empathetic and understand what where they're at. And the more success you can have with all of those different people, the, the greater it helps you in an online capacity as you're then exposed to tens of thousands of people and everyone's got a different story and a different set of challenges that they're facing. Yeah, and I think like having that uh, one-on-one experience, it like you said, it really helps you get to know people and understand the mental part of it and the, the mental blocks that maybe get in the way of them achieving the goals that they want to reach. And because there's all different goals, obviously, yeah. to varying degrees. And one of the really um, awesome things about your approach to fitness, because you're, you know, you obviously reach a lot of people with the 28 community and the woodshed. And, you know, I definitely have heard you say that, you know, fitness isn't just limited to those fit people or, you know, people kind of looking at those before and after pictures or looking at fit people and having a perception that, oh, like there's something special about that person. That's why they're able to, you know, achieve those results. And, but that's not me. Mm. I won't, I I can't do that. So, you know, for you, what, what are kind of the top tips that you 
have now discovered, obviously, foreseeing results across a wide variety of, yeah. of people. Yeah, it's interesting you know, when you talk about the before and afters, which we use for inspiration because, you know, people that have achieved those real results, real people, they're not magic people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> real people that have achieved those results on my 28 program. But it's always a balance between inspiration and relatability. Yeah. You know, because people often do look at the person with the six pack and go, that's not for me. And something that we talk about here at 28 a lot is we're not really here to get the nine out of tens to a 10 out of 10. Mm. They're typically self-motivated and well-educated and going to a gym anyway. That's not, we are all about getting the one out of 10 to a three out of 10 or the two out of 10 to a five out of 10. You know, it's um, progress, not perfection is our motto. How do we help real people move more, eat better, um, change the way that they think about their body, about food, about training, um, in baby steps until before they know it, they look back and they're a seven out of ten. They're once a one, but it's got to be it's got to be progressive. It's got to be gradual. It's got to be realistic. Um, and there's a lot more people in that space that need help. I mean, the craziest thing I hear is Sam, I'm going to join your gym or I'm going to join 28 once I get fit, and those people never do. It's just yeah. this perpetual, you know. Ferris wheel that people are on, they say that and I think they believe that when they say it but it's just, a, you know, a method of putting the delaying the inevitable or delaying the inevitable that they don't do anything about it. But I get where they're coming from. It's scary. I don't want to join the gym where I'm the least fit person in the class. I don't want to join the at-home workout program if I'm too puffed after two minutes that it's not terribly enjoyable. But the human body is amazing and it doesn't take long before you're not the least fit person in the class or you can get to the 28-minute mark or you can cook a sa- create a salad from scratch and do your shopping and get organised and set goals. It's, you know, we are amazing creatures and you shouldn't undersell yourself and if you do it properly and you follow the right program and you have a a realistic um, sort of goal setting in mind and you're, and you're very progressive with how you do it, you can achieve amazing things. And 28 just proves that to me every single day, you know. The, yeah. the, the more, um, you know, the more people we can help, the more people get great results, then they share those results with other 28ers and there's nothing more powerful than a community of people sort of sharing their experiences. It's much more powerful than me telling them they can do it when someone they see in themselves telling them they can do it. 100%. And I think that, you know, you touched on a little bit there with getting out of your comfort zone as well, um, which is I think a, a really important point because when you're going through any kind of journey, it doesn't have to be health and fitness, but anything in life, you are going to hit points of being uncomfortable. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, yep, if getting in shape was easy, 65% of us wouldn't be in terrible shape. You yeah. know, it, it's it's not easy, but it can be much more simple than people make it out to be and there's so much marketing crap out there and so many books and information that people don't know where to start their heads just spinning so simplifying things supporting people helping them with motivation um bringing them into a community where they can share their experience and get support from other people that they see themselves in is a, is a really good starting point yeah definitely and i think like you know those points that you touch on there with lack of motivation what are the kinds of things that people can do to kind of move past those points because they're probably the most common, I would say, even, you know, in my practice as a coach, people ask about lack of motivation or like, you know, feeling uncomfortable. What are your top tips for that? I get the question so often and often the answer isn't necessarily what people want to hear, but it's the answer they need to hear. And that is, if you are only going to do your workouts on the days that you're motivated, you're doomed because... Mm. No one is motivated every single day, me included, you included. Yeah, 100%. But we are in good habits and we know that it's what we need to do and we know when we do it we'll feel better. So we do it, you know, not perfectly but five days a week, six days a week rather than one or two days a week or one or two days a month or never. So it's about understanding that you've actually got to have structure and processes and habits in place that mean you get the workouts done no matter how you feel on that particular day. And it's about understanding what your why is and writing that down, putting it front and centre and reminding yourself, particularly on those days where you're feeling a bit unmotivated and crappy, to why this is so important. And, and, you know, that's not about 
how you look. That might be, I need to do this because I want to be healthy and see my kids grow up or be a good role model for my children or because I'm sick to death of my back being sore or my quality of life or, you know, I want to find a partner, whatever, mm. you know, whatever. You know, everyone's got their own. You know, who am I to tell people what their thing is? But and that's the beauty of the why. You can't be wrong. Yeah. Your why is important to you. So whatever is important to you, whatever you feel is holding you back or missing in your life or whatever it is, you need to identify that. And it can't, might not be one thing. It might be five things. But I encourage my 28ers to write it down, put it front and centre, remind themselves of it, you know, in whatever way, you know, write it at a whiteboard marker on your mirror, put it on your fridge, put it in a safe place and whenever you're feeling a bit demotivated or, you know, as we all do, ups and downs, things are going a bit tough, you remind yourself why it's important and that's what kind of uh, pulls you through and pushes you along when you're uh, perhaps not feeling like it. Yeah, 100%. I really like that too and I think one thing that maybe people uh, – might misperceive about having a health and fitness goal is that it's a health and fitness goal or it's related to, yeah, how you look or whatnot. But the real, I think the goals, if you set for yourself, that you can really find what's meaningful to you, what's really important. And at the end of the day, yes, you know, we all want to look the best that we can look, but what's going to really drive you through those moments where you don't feel motivated, and no, we don't all feel motivated all the time, is to remember those things. So to have them, you know, around... So that's in your focus all the time yeah. is, is really a great point, I think. Yeah. Even, I mean, when you ask people to write down the most important things to them, it's typically family first, health second or perhaps in the other order and then perhaps, you know, friendships or success or job satisfaction or whatever it might be. But family and health are almost always the top two. Mm. But very few people live that. Most mm. people live it from a family perspective, but very few people actually live that. So, you know, you've got to eyeball them and say, you say that, but your actions... Don't match. Not even close. Yeah. How, how can you say that health is the most important thing to you or the second most important thing to you and you treat your body the way that you do? Mm. And you don't need to be an Olympic athlete and you can still have a beer and you can still have chocolate and you can, you, you know, it might just be walking and eating a bit better. Mm. But you've got to take care of yourself more than you are if what you're trying to tell me is true because currently I don't believe it. And I had those confronting, you know, robust conversations with my clients all the time. Yeah. And I don't think ever, uh, you know, there might have been some moments where they left the gym thinking, F you, but never in the long term did they hate me for being so strong on my thoughts on that, they always came back and said, I know, you're right, mm. I was in denial, I was telling myself a story to try and believe that story but it wasn't true and actions speak louder than words and I think when people have that realisation that's when some powerful change can happen. Yeah, definitely. I think there's always initially whenever you're making a change in your life, whether that's your health and fitness or whatnot, there can be some resistance. There's that pull because you've been in a pattern of behaviour for so long yeah. that there is going to be a bit of push pullard to changing that because the, it's unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be able to do what you are asking of yourself. And so, you know, I think being truthful like that to clients and, and I mean, that's what a real coach will do. Yeah. They're going to sugarcoat it and say, well, you can just keep doing what you're doing and let's just see how it goes. I mean, that's yeah. not really what's going to, ha- you know, work. No, it's true. I mean, a good coach is also progressive mm. and I think, you know, nothing worse than these PTs at the first session, they flog the pants off their trainer and it's kind of like a fun game and they've got this almost sadistic look in their face and, you know, they think it's funny. They're not doing their clients any favours. Mm. You know, if that client needed a 5 out of 10 workout to get the endorphins pumping, wake up some muscles and feel like they can do this, flogging the pants off them so they literally can barely go to bed the next day is not doing them or you any favours. So I think, you know, you asked before about motivation and the best advice regarding people on how to get results. I think, you know, baby steps. Mm. Don't try and don't go out on the 1st of January after setting yourself a news resolution and run 20K. You'd probably kill yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah. Run 2K. Yeah. And then a week later run 4K or 3K or do some push-ups, you know. Mm. Baby steps with your movement, with your food. You know, you don't go cold turkey mm. and be counting every calorie and eating boiled chicken and broccoli and no alcohol. Like what's the fun in that? That's yeah. mis- that's, Who wants to 
stick to that. I couldn't think of anything worse. Do what is still enjoyable, do what is sustainable and do it gradually because you're far better off being an 8 out of 10 with your food and 8 out of 10 with your fitness and being able to stick to it than being a 10 out of 10 on both and lasting two weeks and then going back to a 1 out of 10 and, oh, well, I tried and I failed and I'll have another crack in five years' time when I'm 10 kilos heavier. Yeah, 100%. I I even had uh, one of my new clients come into the gym. She hadn't done Pilates before and um, I think she'd just hit like maybe two or three sessions in a week and she was sore. Yeah. And and she was like, do you think I need to go see a physio? And I'm like, no, you don't need to go see a physio. You just need to cool (laughs) it down a little bit. Like your body's not used to this kind of movement. And it's hard because you don't want to. They've got they're, – they're motivated. Right. You don't want them you know, to lose their momentum but, yeah. you know, you need to give them good professional advice. Yeah. You know, don't, just don't do Pilates tomorrow. Go for a walk, get yeah. some blood flow, have a stretch, do a swim, do roll a bike out. ride. Roll sure yeah. recover. Get on the foam roller. That's right. No one likes the foam be. roller. No, you know, the foam <laughs> roller scares people a bit. It really but does. once it becomes your best friend, it's uh, it's a pretty pretty tight bond. It's really, really good. Um, so coming back to progress, not perfection, which is 28's mantra really. I really like that mantra because I use it in my coaching as well. What do you think is the best way to deal with the idea of perfection? Because it's such a dangerous, you know, kind of Yeah, it of is. Perfection thing. and comparison are the mm. uh, the thief of joy is That's what they it. say and it's, pr- it's pretty true. I think we set ourselves, uh, you know, goals that we just can't live up to and then we fall short even though what we've done is actually quite remarkable and we're so hard on ourselves. We very rarely um, embrace the journey or reward ourselves with the little milestones that we achieve along the way. I mean, 28's all about the fact our workouts are no longer than 28 minutes and the fact that from a goal-setting progress perspective, we work in 28-day blocks. So at the end of 28 days, we encourage all our 28ers to reward themselves, not necessarily with six family pizzas and a kilo of ice cream, (laughs) but, you know, get yourself a massage, buy yourself some new runners, do something nice for yourself that perhaps you wouldn't do otherwise and actually, you know, and, and I'm quite bad at doing this from a business perspective. It's always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I don't sort of stop and smell the roses and Snezh is really good at telling me to slow down and appreciate how many great things are happening in the moment and sort of and, – and it's really – I'm so glad that I have her in my life to help me do that because it's typically not what I do very naturally. But we've got to do the same thing with our fitness goals and when we break them down into smaller blocks, it's amazing what we can achieve. You know, a 40-kilo weight loss goal feels pretty daunting. Yeah. But you start doing four kilos, five kilos, three kilos, six kilos each month and before you know it, you're like, oh, it's only a 20-kilo mountain to climb now. I can do this. Look, I've already, I've already done a 20-kilo mm. mountain in four months. I can definitely do another one and yeah. it feels so much more achievable. So, yeah, the progress, not perfection thing, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's got to be realistic. It's got to be sustainable. You're not trying to be perfect. And then the comparison one, this is your journey. It's no one else's. Stop looking at the bullshit on social media, which is trick lighting and that person hasn't eaten a carb for two weeks and they're probably bloody miserable and stuff that. Mm. You know, look at your own journey and don't, you know, what's the point in you losing 20 kilos if you then go and look at something on social media and you're like, oh, yeah, but I still don't look as good as them? Yeah. You've taken all the joy out of what you have achieved, which is nothing short of brilliant. So mm. focus on being the best version of you. Don't compare yourself to others as hard as it is in this crazy digital world. And before you know it, not only are you better physically, but you're much better mentally as well. Yeah, it's such a dangerous ideal to fall into and I, I agree with you with social media. And it we're is... all guilty of it. I read the comments on my social media. I've got lots of Instagram followers, all that kind of stuff and, mm. oh, you know, that person doesn't like me and then you've got to just take a big deep breath and step away and go, that person doesn't know me. We've never met each other before. Mm. It's one person's comment. Let it go. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. Better, I'm better at that. Better at sort of separating myself and Snezhi. She gets a bit caught up in it all. I'm like, Sweet, just <laughs> but anyway, we're all, we're, we're all working on these things but... Yeah, you just uh, – it is. It's a crazy digital world and I often sort of say to the – you know, it's kind of ironic that I'm saying don't be on your phone when my program's a digital online program but <laughs> you need to understand when social media is kind of being a help or a, or a hindrance, you know, is it your best friend or your worst enemy and often 
it's not helping our cause. It's often, you know, really hurting our cause and yet we continually go back to it. We really, you know, need to have the strength to break away a little bit. Yeah, I think creating healthy boundaries around your social media consumption yeah, is like huge. That. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And when they give you the report on your phone, like, oh, my how God. How many hours I spent on Instagram? I, if, if someone had asked you, you'd, you'd, it'd be like 20% of what it actually is. You're like, my God, it's such a black hole, isn't it? Yeah. You, you know, every time you stop, instead of just taking a deep breath and being present in the moment you get your phone out, it's a, it's a really slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to, to make sure you have that so that the comparison piece and the perfectionism piece doesn't become something that is you're constantly living with and live, trying to live up to. Yeah. So I think one of the big things that people are interested in, especially as a coach and a trainer, I get asked this a lot, is what is your training schedule like? What do you actually do as for your own training? How many times yeah. a week do you train and what kind of training does that consist of? Oh, it's really changed. Um, you know, it used to be much more about aesthetics. It used to be, you know, an hour in the gym six days a week probably. So it was all about, you know, it was about the aesthetics and it was – I had lots of time, you know, I was training clients in the gym, I was living basically at the gym. I now don't want to spend six hours a week at the gym. I want to spend, you know, four of those hours at home with my kids. So I try to train smarter, not harder. I try to be efficient. You know, I definitely understand my body better. Mm. You know, I try and do some resistance work, either, you know, training at home or at my gym, the woodshed, you know, once or twice a week. Um... Uh, you should do a couple of body weight, 28-minute uh, workouts with Snezh at home. I'm notoriously inflexible, so I try and do yoga once a week, either <laughs> at a studio or the, the yoga with Zoe from our 28 program. And I love just getting active with the kids, you know, taking them out for bike rides, going for walks with the dog, walking with Snez, going for a bit of a swim. You know, I, I try and move my body every day because I – mainly because I know how much I, I feel better. Yeah. You know, I'm – if I have an exercise for the day, I'm a bit cranky. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of moving in the morning from an energy, mood, mental health perspective. I really feel like I'm a, I'm a better person uh, to be around. My energy's better. My productivity's better uh, if I can do that. So I try and get up early and get out even if it's for a quick run with Hendrix, my dog, or – you know, whatever it might be before the madness begins at our <laughs> house, which is pretty damn early. So, uh, yeah, you know, but and then, um, yeah, just incorporating it into sort of my lifestyle. But it's it's all about balance, you yeah. know. I want to move my body enough that I don't get a sore back. I don't, you know, you know I'm not shredded but I'm not really overweight and I, um, I can – eat ice cream and chocolate and, you know, the balance is there, yeah. you know, the good things. Yeah, that's nice. You have to have a balance, I feel like. You can't just, I don't know, I feel like ha- having such a restrictive or too structured, overly structured um, training and nutrition yeah. kind of program. I've been there. I've, I've, that's yeah. been me. I've been obsessed with a body fat percentage and jumping on the scales and two-a-day workouts. Mm. I don't think I was happy, mm. you know. It's, it's nice for the ego and it's good little, you know, vanity pat on the back which lasts for about four seconds. Yeah. But, you know, you start saying no to social occasions because, oh, they'll all be drinking and I don't want to drink, you know, like. Yeah. And it's like, you know, not, not that you have to drink to have fun but I was sort of, you know, this is in my late 20s mm. and it was always that balance of, oh, you know, you become a bit of unhealthily obsessed with how you look and then you realise that it's there is no balance. So... Yeah, for me, um, it's much, much different. I mean, I do have to work harder now than I did in my 20s too. My metabolism's definitely slowed down. I, You know, I've got to work a bit harder to put on muscle. I've got to work a bit harder and do a bit more to lose fat. So I'm sort of much more in tune with my body and what I need to do to sort of keep it in that that sweet spot of not, not super fit. Yeah, not unfit. Maintaining a, a healthy, yeah, a healthy body. Essentially, yeah, and I right? have waves. You know, yeah, going to summer like everyone. I probably ramp things up a bit for four or five weeks. Yeah. As I think to myself, I'm probably going to ruin my bodies or something. I could do with being, you know, one or two kilos lighter. But I don't fluctuate much. You know, yeah. for the last sort of ten years, my weight probably hasn't shifted more than two or three kilos either way. Yeah, and I think you kind of have to switch it up too. Like when you're living an active lifestyle, yeah, anyways, good call. Yeah. right? You 
you can't just do the same thing over and over again for years. You, depending on what's going on in your life, you'll change it up and you'll yeah. be focused on different things at different points. So I think also understanding that your health and fitness journey is a shifting thing. It's not stagnant. It's not just going to be the same thing forever. You can always change it and you can also set different goals for yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's going to change what you do to achieve that goal. So um, I like that balanced approach. And I think one of the also perceptions around trainers and coaches, I think, is that um, we don't eat junk food, which we totally do. Yeah. So what do you... Particularly when they look like you, Rachel. <laughs> people find that hard to believe. I You're totally eat junk food. In shape. Yeah. I totally eat junk food. But I wanted to know what your favourite indulgences in junk food are that you eat. Oh, I'm a chocoholic. I eat chocolate every day. Yum. Um, probably my favourite thing in the world is getting an ice cream with my two little girls. I'm an Evie too, but she's a bit cool for school and doesn't want to come with us necessarily. <laughs> but definitely Willow and Charlie. I don't think they would ever say no to going to get an mm-hmm. ice cream. There's a great little ice cream shop at the end of our street called Will's Batch that we frequent very often. Dangerous. It is dangerous. <laughs> and that would be one of my favourite things. doesn't really matter how warm or cold it is. Um and I have a Macedonian wife who is, a, I mean, I'm not a pastry or a savoury person. I'm a sweet chocolate and ice cream person, but she's she's cheese and pastries and, mm. yeah, she's a shocker. So there's, a, there's always a few temptations of that nature floating around as well. But mm. she has a pretty similar philosophy that, you know, I need to take care of myself and we need to set a good example for our kids but at the same time you've got to enjoy enjoy life and she loves food more than most people that I've met. (laughs) My favourite junk food is, I don't know if you've tried these before, they're absolutely horrible for you but um, cheese puffs. Oh, they're like Cheeto things. Yeah, but like so in Australia they taste like shit but in the States where they're from, right, you could get like a massive bag, oh, yeah. right? Massive family, over there. The family size bag. I could go through one of those bags of, of cheese puffs. Yeah, and that's, once, like, that's the trap, isn't it? Once you open them. Once you open it, it's all, it's the all salt down, downhill from there. And it always just kicks in like a drug and you can't say no. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a slippery slope, yeah. But it's awesome when you're eating it. So just know we do eat junk food <laughs> <laughs> and the worst kind as well. So you've also been a very successful fitness entrepreneur, obviously, with the Woodshed and 28 by Sam Wood. So, um, and you also started um, Gecko Sports. That was yeah. Before those two, right? And that's is that still going? It is. I don't yeah. own it anymore. It okay. got um it got taken over by one of our amazing franchisees. Awesome. Um, and she's still doing a brilliant job and yeah, very, very proud of that legacy. Um, helping kids get in shape with after school programs and birthday parties and holiday programs. And yeah, it's 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 uh, something I'm very passionate about. Yeah, like you've got quite a, a broad range there of people that you've catered for with the businesses that you have. So I'm interested to know what are the biggest business lessons you've learned along your journey? Because I imagine there would be quite a few. Oh, heaps. Yeah. Um, you know, I made many, many expensive mistakes with Gecko, but I learned many valuable lessons that I think have definitely helped me with my two businesses since. Oh, look, it's such a cliche, but it's all about the people. You know, I think one of my greatest strengths early on was knowing what my weaknesses were and I quickly worked out that I couldn't do everything. Um, you know, I, it's a tech company, we're a you know, fitness tech company, but... I'm not a tech person, so I had to surround myself with brilliant, um, you know, tech people, but also brilliant um, organised business people from CEOs and chief um, operational officers and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, particularly as the business grew and it became apparent that to keep it growing, um, I would need to surround myself with people much smarter than me in areas that weren't my over expertise. So... Yeah, that was that was probably the the biggest lesson that I learnt. Um, you know, just reinvesting the revenue back in the business to ensure you build something that lasts. You know, mm, it's not yeah. a you know uh, a one year wonder or something like that. When we had this crazy sort of meteoric meteoric rise in the first twelve months, and we're like, this is something really special that we've got here. The community of people that we have and the results that we're getting. We want to make sure this really last so let's tip the money back into the business and grow it and uh, reinvest in marketing and tech and offices and great people and 
um, yeah, that's that's been the the best lesson we learn and the best thing that we've done, I think. Yeah, and it's grown it to the to the place where it is now, which is it's huge. It's reaching so many people and helping so many people, which is amazing. Um, and you've really got an exciting collaboration coming up with the team over at Journey Retreats yeah. as well, which is really exciting. That so is exciting. Tell me a bit about that and uh, what people can expect. So it's we we've run our own retreat. Uh, two years ago, and it was it was small. It was only thirty people, uh, but it was beautiful. It was this lovely little intimate um, getaway, and I'd always looked at the way Journey Retreats had done it. And um, Ramsey, that owns Journey, I've admired him uh, as a business person for a long time, and we've become friends. And I sort of it's funny. I said to him twelve months ago, "We've got to do a retreat together. I think we can do something really special together." Um, I love how you guys do things. We share a lot of the same philosophies. We could, you know, do something incredible. And then COVID hit. So it's kind of been uh, (laughs) just biding our time while we've been waiting to do it. So we can finally do it. It's going to be four incredible days on the Sunshine Coast from the 19th to the 22nd of August. Um, You know, it's kind of combining what Journey do and they do brilliant events and events energy and atmosphere and the best trainers with all of our 28 philosophies. You know, we're getting our 28 yoga people and nutrition people and I'm working with people in small intimate groups in sort of goal setting and understanding the progress, not perfection and getting their head in the right place and their body will follow Um, and people training in really small groups so they get this great intimate experience um, you know, they don't have to be worried that there's going to be someone super fit over there. They'll be working at their own level, focusing on their own journey, not comparing themselves to others. And that life is all about balance. So do a great workout in the morning, but it's okay to have a glass of wine at night or sit by the pool and read a book. You know, it's all about working out how the Retreat 28 journey works for you and everybody's experience is allowed to be different. But at the end of the four days, I just want it to be a life-changing experience where you look back and you say, that was the catapult for me to have a brilliant forever or the best end to the year or I made such great friendships that I'm going to have for life Um, or, you know, I really kind of sorted my shit out mentally and I never looked back, whatever it might be. Um, But, yeah, that's what we want it to be and... um, yeah, it's half sold out already. We announced it last week. So I think we're going to have a sellout and it's going to be incredible. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. And I think that the philosophies of both of both businesses, I think um, 28 and Journey, because Journey is swing the balance and you guys are probably yeah, perfection. So exactly. that really just kind of melds together really well with that approach to life and health and fitness. Yeah. So you can do both at the same time. You've talked about community and why that's so important because I know that it's going to be so good to be away with people in person, be able yeah. to work with, you know, potentially a new um, group of people that you've never worked with before. So, you know, why do you think that that's so important for people to be around other people along this journey? Because aside from having coaches to lead you and guide you with information and, and strategy, essentially, why is that sense of community so important? Yeah, look, I mean, there's, I, I, I always underestimated how he, powerful an online community could be it's totally blown me away how tight and supportive and the friendships that have been made in our in our 28 community you know people traveling from the other side of the world that are 28 is getting picked up from the airport and staying at people's houses and traveling around Australia it's 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 amazing blows my mind but then when we have these face-to-face catch-ups with 28 when I'm traveling around Australia and organizing workouts and catch-ups or whatever it might be. I mean, there's nothing quite like hearing someone's story firsthand, giving them a hug, um, doing a workout with them and, you know, really eyeballing them and getting them out of their comfort zone and then saying to them, do you push yourself that hard when you're training with me in your lounge room? And they go, oh, no, I don't. And you go, okay, well, that's the bar. Now you've seen now yeah. you've said, and they go, yep, I promise I'll, you know, I'll strive harder. And and so that's sort of my connection with them and then the connection with each other. I mean, they have formed great friendships in a digital world, but I think to come together and share this fairly life-changing um, experience together for four days, it's amazing the bonds that that will create. I mean, I look at our little retreat that we did two years ago um, 
And so many of those people are coming back to this retreat and so many of those people are still in regular touch with many of those other 28 retreaters that they met for the first time on that experience. And it's, it's, it's really, really um, sort of blown me away again how close those bonds are. And we want this to be the first of many retreats, but it's about just getting this first one right um, and showing people that it is the the community stuff, the emotional stuff, the the mental stuff that is far, far more powerful after the retreat than the healthy meal choice or the, you know, yoga at sunrise. You know, yeah. that stuff's beautiful and a great memory to have, but you want to actually take the tools from the experience away with you that help you well beyond those four days. Yeah, and it's just going to enrich your life moving forward as well. So, it's, you know, the after effect of it will be also amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I really love to speak to my guests about is uh, rejection and failure. Because right. it happens to all of us. We it all does. experience that in life. Um, so I'm really curious to know what your greatest rejection or failure has been in life outside of business. Oh, there'd be plenty of girls, I'm sure. <laughs> no, thanks, mate. Uh, <laughs> question without notice, Raj. Um, oh, look, I've, um, I mean, Gecko was a business one, but there was plenty, that was a really hard slog early on because kids' fitness was such a new concept. So we we're really trying to uh, be a bit of a trailblazer in a new area. And, you know, lots of schools slamming the door in our face, didn't understand it. It was a bit of a foreign concept. I mean, I, I feel like that would be a business that would be much easier to get traction in now than it was in 2006 mm. when we first launched it. Um, I mean, there's been there's been other things. I, I was told that I was going to be the trainer on The Biggest Loser and at the 11th hour there was a bit of a mind change so they were worried that they were changing all of the trainers and they said, oh, Sam, we're really sorry but we've actually decided to go in another direction. Um, we're going to keep Shannon and we're going to bring in Libby and um, and that turned out to, no, no, no fault to those guys but just happened to be the last uh, season of The Biggest Loser ever but I really, really wanted that. I thought it would be an awesome opportunity to shake things up and, you know, attack the biggest loser with a very different perspective to how it had been attacked before by the existing trainers because I think I have a, quite a different sort of philosophy that's far less hardcore, mm. black and white, you know, succeed or fail, mm. um, that I really wanted to get out there because I feel like all these things that have been able to share with 28 and resonate so well with so many people, I, you know, it would have been a great platform to do that. And you get your hopes up and, you know, then something crashes. But, you know, oh, there's been plenty of There's been plenty... Plenty of failures along the way. I mean, the last five years of my life have been by far the most successful and the most satisfying and enjoyable. But I do feel like it was all of those hard lessons and failures in the first 35 years that probably led me to this place. You know, I do feel the fact that I was pretty comfortable in my own skin as a 35-year-old, mature enough to know what I wanted um, and be in the right sort of stage of life to want to settle down and have children, all that kind of stuff. All of those factors kind of culminated together that it just meant it was the right time. And then most importantly, it meant Snez was the right person and she was in a pretty similar kind of life phase and headspace, I think. So, mm. you know, I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't been for meeting her, but uh, yeah, it's funny how things sort of, uh, things sort of pan out but I, I absolutely think that the challenges and you know I've moved over from Tassie as a very very wet behind the ears skinny 19 year old with about a hundred dollars in my bank account and set on Centrelink payments to pay for my uh, food each week while you know building a big hex debt you know hasn't been an easy road mm. by any stretch but um, you know, my dad's one of these old school people that's your 18th birthday. This is the last thing I'll ever give you. And I always thought I was really hard done by it at the time. Best thing that could have happened to me, you know, like, yeah. a, and I'm, I'm now a really big believer on kind of, you know, these things I'm a bit too hard ass, but, you know, <laughs> adopting similar life lessons on our children. So, mm. um, yeah, there's been plenty of hard knocks along the way, but I'm a big believer that they mould the person that you become and they might feel like they're tough to 
navigate at the time but they actually probably end up being the best thing that could happen to you. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, most of the times when I've failed in my life or been rejected, you learn so much from those failures and you, if you can, you know, have that perspective and take it as a learning experience, then you can kind of transform it into something that's more positive that you can implement and change for whatever it is that you're doing in your life and, yeah. and take it moving forward. So what is your life philosophy or mantra? So if you had an overarching statement to which you would or you try to live your life by, what would that be? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it sounds quite simple, but probably just do it. Just do it like Nike? Yeah, yeah. Are we sponsored or no? No, we're not. Not no, sponsored? No, that's a non-sponsored answer. There we go. Uh, um, Nike for listening? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, oh, look, just, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I've always been a really happy, positive person. I feel like you get out of life what you put into it, um, and yeah, I just think you've got to you got to take chances. You got to put yourself out there, um, and that you know that's that's where you really experience the best the best things that life has to offer. It's funny people ask me all the time, like Sam, how do you get the balance right when you're so busy with two businesses and kids and everything? And I don't. Mm. The simple answer is not even close. Yeah. You know, I'm tired and stressed and if I'm at work, I'm feeling guilty I'm not home with my kids and if I'm at home with my kids, I'm always writing stuff down that I need to do when I'm back at work and um, it is a continual work in progress. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just trying to find balance in life and, and um, yeah, live life to the fullest is probably my philosophy. Yeah, just the best that you can, right? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me thanks on the show, for Sam. Me. It's been amazing to catch up and chat about all this awesome stuff. So, really cool. Um, so, make sure you follow Sam on Instagram at Sam James Wood. His website is 28bysamwood.com. And if you do want to join Sam and the 28 team on their journey retreats, go to journeyretreats.com.au to book your spot. And make sure you screenshot this episode, share it to your IG stories, tag at Sam James Wood and at Rage Active. Thanks again, Sam, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Rach. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Rage Active Podcast.